All right, let's go live with this bad boy. Copied, done, go live. Let's see what happens. I have no idea what to expect here. <laughs> I think I'm live. Oh, oh, yep, we're live. All right, man. Cool. Awesome. So, Corey, real quick, what did you think about that? Uh, those, buck, those buck pictures I sent you? Right out of my backyard. Yeah, yeah, dude, you got to figure out a way to get in there. Like, you got to go deliver some. You got to find out what he really loves or what the landowner loves. And you got to go deliver it to the doorstep, dude. It's I know. A, time's a wasting. I mean, you have you have some other things coming up though that's going to distract you from hunting, which is cool. But dude, I was so mad. So I was sitting there. My wife and I are just started season three of you, which came out today. We've been waiting on it for like a year. And so it came out today. So we started season three and I saw these deer in a field out of my back window, but they were all does. And then I was like, man, I wish the bucks would come out. I'd seen them in a while. And all of a sudden here comes this buck and I run and grab my camera and I throw my 100 to 400 on my a one camera. And I run out, run out to the back door to get a photo of him, And he's gone. I was like, that sucker went in the freaking woods. So I, what, what I wanted to do is I had it all set up in burst mode and everything is I wanted to get a picture of him jumping over the barbed wire fence because I knew he was, I just had this feeling if he came out, he's going to do it. So I didn't yeah. see him. I thought he was gone. So I sat back down and kept watching you with my wife and I just happened to glance out and there he comes and he's about to jump the fence and I'm like, oh my God, and I grab my <laughs> camera. My wife's like looking at me like, what's wrong with you? And I'm running to the back door and he jumps the fence right before, right as I'm turning the on button and I missed it. Oh, <laughs> missed man. my photo. But I mean, I, I took a picture of him and I sent him to you. He's a, what do you think? Two year old forked horn? Yeah, he's, he's odd. Looking. He's an odd looking. He's really tall. Yeah, like just weird looking. Really but, weird. Yeah. <laughs> so you took, so is that, that's something I've tried a hundred times is like to take a picture through binoculars and for some reason I can't make it work. Oh, of the does before I had my camera all set yeah, up? Yeah, like I, I can't do it. Like I can't Dude, figure it out. It's professional. <laughs> If you're that good, if, you, if, you're, we, if you're as good as me, you can take a picture with well, <laughs> with a camera through binoculars. I'm just kidding. I li- I just lied to you too. I I've tried it twice. Like I have not tried it a hundred times, <laughs> just twice. What well, the you, heck are we doing here on a Friday night? Hanging yeah, out? I know at at nine nine twelve. By the way, for those of you wondering why we're doing this so late, Corey Corey is watching Bren, his daughter tonight. How old is Bren now? Yeah. So she's seven, dude. Seven. Uh, seven. That's crazy. So yeah, first grade first grade so she'll be babysitting my son essentially yeah that's that's i mean you have to move up to dallas though you've got to sell the house you just built and move (laughs) up here and and then we can make that happen near the house that yours is still not done yet (laughs) uh soon hey we got close closer and closer to a hard settlement date which i'm looking at like early december late november so it's coming awesome yeah (laughs) well, what do you say I kick off the intro of this podcast real quick? Um, this is kind of a this is kind of new for those of y'all watching. We don't normally do uh, the podcast live, but Corey and I thought it'd be fun to incorporate some conversation. And I, it's kind of late, so I don't expect to get a ton of conversation, but we'll take what we can get. Um, but since this is a podcast, I want I do want to do an intro first. So let me knock that intro out, and then we'll get into our conversation. Sounds good. Hey guys, welcome to the Filming with Josh podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Milligan, and this is episode number 47, An Unpopular Opinion on YouTube Hunting Channels. Cue the music. 
This is the Filming with Josh podcast, brought to you by Rustic River Media. Welcome to the videographer's home for tips, tricks, and how to make flicks. All right, got the intro knocked out, so now we can jump into this thing. So, do you think do you think our viewers are ready for this? So, dude, I kind of like this setup. Like, I gotta be honest. Like, this is the first time I think it's worked where you invite somebody into Facebook and it works. Because I've tried it too. I've definitely tried it before and it just doesn't seem to work. But tonight's working. It is. So Matthew, oh, there, Matthew says, present. wait, what? He says, wait, what? No three-point lighting. Haha. <laughs> Dude, so I actually thought about this. So you and I were talking earlier today about live streaming because I'm trying to move on up and offer my live streaming services to much bigger events and things. And so we were chatting about that, but I knew we were going to be doing this thing tonight. And I'm like, should I bust out my live streaming gear? Do like a multi-camera live stream. Got my bear in the background over here I, and do it all I'm professional. Like <laughs> I'm over here trying to figure out my microphone and you have like, yeah, yeah. No, I'm surprised you didn't. You should Next time. There's always next time. Next time. So Matthew, so I, I was much more interested when I was done with work today and drinking a beer and watching some TV. So I'm just going to be honest <laughs> and trying to get a photo of that stupid little fork torn buck. Um, yeah. So cool. So guys that are tuned in today and for those of you that are going to be listening um, on the podcast, today's topic is going to be a little more edgy, one of the more edgy conversations that uh, we've done. And when I say edgy, it, it, I don't mean bad. I just mean more that we've got some opinions and we're going to share them. Um, so for those of you, for those of you who don't know Corey, Corey is a really good friend of mine. Uh, and Corey and I, we've been hunting buddies for several years now. We've gone on some pretty interesting hunts, <laughs> some, <laughs> yeah, some interesting sure. hunts, especially what particularly waterfowl. We've gone on some really interesting waterfowl hunts. Almost all of them <laughs> involve some really weird circumstance where we don't, <laughs> we don't know what's happening or where we are. Like last year we were, <laughs> we literally found ourselves at one point <laughs> at, it was literally, it was like one in the morning and we're scouting for <laughs> where we're going to go <laughs> in a place we've never been to before. Like, <laughs> And it's all public. It's all public. Let's just tell everyone it's all public land. Like, obviously, maybe that was assumed, but yeah, we've had some, we have some like mile walks in to like just blind hunts with no scouting. And I'm sure (laughs) like, 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 let me set this up so they understand. So like we had this hunt plan for West Texas and what's up, Luke? We had this hunt. Hey, Luke. We had this hunt set up for West Texas and we literally decided like the day before or two days before we left, and we've been planning this for months, to just change directions and go east and go to the coast. Go coastal bird hunting. Never even done it. We're just like, eh, let's do it. So two days before this big multi-day hunt, we find an Airbnb, a very romantic Airbnb, I might add, Corey. <laughs> Dude, it was the couple's cottage. It was the couple's remember cottage. It, remember, it, remember it showed up? It showed up on like my bank account or something. I remember and I saw it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. So we go to the couple's cottage out on the coast near Anawak. Always heard about this area, but we had never hunted it. And we get there, and we have no idea where we're going. And we are literally looking at satellite maps at like twelve thirty in the morning. And we go to bed for like an hour and a half, and we get up at like three, and we drive an hour to go get in line with all these other duck hunters <laughs> who all had their boats. We were looking wait, at wait, each- wait, wait, back up, back up. <laughs> no, we got in line with duck hunters. 
We were not with the duck hunting. We, we got, were not the duck we, hunters. So, so this area has got such good duck hunting that there was literally, like at three in the morning, there was lines of just vehicles with, with boats. And when they opened up the gates, so what was it, like four in the morning or something like that? Yeah, they op- they o- they open up the gates and they'll give everyone a tag uh, for an area or like basically it's a ticket to get into this area and they have a hundred tags uh, it's that big and but Corey and I had never been there I mean we didn't decide to go there till two days prior so we didn't know and we were all we knew was we were the only people in line without a boat <laughs> so we get up there and the guy's like where's your boat and we're like we don't have a boat and the guy's like you can't hunt here without a boat and we're like. <laughs> Well, crap, what do we do now? So we drove like six like, hours to get here. So so we turn around and I remember this. We were on satellite maps on our phone trying to find a new hunting spot at four in the morning. I remember I remember like pulling up and the guy standing there and he had like literally hundreds of tags around his neck. And he's, and he's like, you guys have a boat? And I literally said to him, no, do you need one? And when he was like, "Yeah, you need a boat to get in here," it was like he was like that kid waking up on Christmas morning and like not getting what they wanted. You know, it's like, what do we do now? We figured it out though. Oh, we figured well, it out. Not we, really. We we got set up. We had decoys in the water, and we yep. were in the blind with about five minutes before sunrise. Yep. But we didn't shoot a duck. No. <laughs> we, saw, we did see a couple. Saw a lot maybe. of com- a lot sure. of commies. Saw a lot of commies yeah. or pomegranates yeah. as we call them. Pomegranates, pomegranates, whatever those pomegranates. So yeah, so Corey and I've been hunting buddies for a while, um, and uh, we met because Corey, um, Corey and uh, his buddy, our buddy Dave, have another podcast, and uh, we've been friends for a while. And and then obviously uh, I have a background in the outdoor industry, so we've had a lot of conversations over the years about hunting and kind of the state of hunting, uh, hunting TV, um, hunting social media. And all this stuff, and kind of what's led us to Carolina Sky Carp. Yes, I like that. That's good. Yep. That's good. I'm going to remember that. So for us, we we are big about ethical hunting, and we're big about our presence, um, and and online and on TV, and kind of how hunters come across. And that's kind of what's led to today's podcast because we have noticed over the years some not so good trends in the hunting industry both on tv on social media and on youtube Um, and then unfortunately recently there have been some hunting channels that have been getting banned from youtube and then on top of that and i have some articles pulled up i did a little research today um, there have been some new guidelines that have been posted a few weeks ago um, that where youtube is cracking down on on hunting essentially. And so we just kind of want to talk about some of that today, what this means and kind of what led to this point and what do we do to move forward. So Corey, give me some thoughts about where we are today. You know, first thing I'll say is, you know, and to your point, so Dave and I have a organization called Rooted Outdoors and uh, we have a YouTube page. In fact, we've had a YouTube page for years i mean since we started rooted so probably i mean probably five years now um and we've put you know we put films up there and and uh, a bunch of content so whatever we talk about today like we we're not against youtube um you know i think uh i think there's a place for youtube but i think what what we were talking about and then we were like we need to you know do a podcast on this is is like you know youtube can be used um in many ways, uh, I think 
it has a lot of benefits, you know, as a business owner and I know you're a business owner and there's a lot of, there's a lot of benefits to it, but it can also be very damaging and, um, it goes along with kind of like society, you know, it's like what society looks for in their content, you know, and it's, it's unfortunately, it's like you open up the news and negative stuff sells, um, sex sells, you know, that kind of stuff sells. And so I think that stuff on, you know, there's some, there's some really good stuff on YouTube that's not getting seen. Um, and there's, uh, some content that, um, isn't really necessary in my opinion, which we can dive deeper into. Oh, uh, and we will really, dive deeper into it. <laughs> yeah. It's, it just sheds, it just sheds the wrong light on the hunting and, you know, on hunting and, and, and what, what I could just speak for like what, what we were trying to do, what we're still trying to do with rooted is just shed the best light on hunting uh, because it's just constantly in the spotlight, just constantly in the spotlight. And as you know, as um, videographers and, and guys that are making films, it makes it tough you know, when you have some content out there that's really, I don't know, we're not selling, but selling, you know, over top of what we're trying to put out there, which we know is a good message. It's solid. It's teaching, you know, guys how to do the right thing and be ethical. Um, and to your point, the what's happened over the last couple of weeks, I think there's there's some really good YouTube and guys that I followed, you know, and, and pages that I followed. There's some really good YouTube uh, YouTubers or, or guys that have YouTube pages that are putting out awesome content and have been for years. Um, and they're being hurt by some of the other stuff that's been out there because now it's in the spotlight again. And YouTube's pretty uh, black and white with it, you know, it seems. Uh, there's not a lot of like gray area. There's not a light. I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't work for YouTube, but I'm assuming they have their guidelines and then they put new guidelines in. And it's, if you're showing this kind of killing, any kind of killing really it, it's, it's been in the spotlight. And as you know, and as anybody who's watching this knows, there's, there's been a lot of YouTube pages that have been demonetized. Yeah. So let, let's talk about that. So I'm going to pull up, um, an article here, uh, from bowhunting.com that came out, um, uh, on September 22nd. And there are other articles. I'm just using this as a point of reference. Um, but essentially, let me pull this, get this pulled up. So yeah, so in this article, they explain what some of these new monetization um, rules essentially are. Which, by the way, so for those of you listening, there have actually been some channels that have been completely removed and they, people have lost everything. Um, but then there are others that, a lot of others that got emails that said that this is some of the new, these are some of the new rules. And I, re, I, I quote, it says, things that uh, can be monetized are hunting content where there's no depiction. What is that noise? Hello? You there? Don't know. Sorry, don't I was like, yeah, sorry, I was like a really weird noise. Okay, hunting content where there's no depiction of graphic animal injuries or prolonged suffering, or hunting videos where the moment of kill or injury is indiscernible with no focal footage of how this dead animal is processed for trophy or food purposes. So essentially, mm. what some of their new guidelines state are that if you... If you want to monetize YouTube content, you can't show um, animal suffering. You can't show potentially they didn't say the word kill shot, but they worded it in such a way that if you had a kill shot, especially if it was 
probably like zoomed in tight and you're showing like 120 frames, 240 frames, an arrow, for example, smashing into a whitetail, like some of that stuff is going to start getting you demonetized and then processing of game. And that's unfortunate because that's actually part of the educational side of it. Um, but yeah, so this is kind of where we are. And for people who watch hunting content, a big part of why they watch it is not just for the hunt, but if we're being honest, most people that watch hunting content watch for the kill shot. I mean, people say that all the time, but it's true. A lot of people watch for that. Um, but that's actually going to be one of the things that's being targeted. And so YouTube can either completely, is that you or me? I, I don't hear anything. I figured out what that noise is. My neighbor is throwing a party. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> That's what that noise is. I was like, what is happening gonna, outside my house? It's, it's you're going to ditch me? I you're going to ditch me and go oh, next this door. Is, this is my very last beer, unfortunately. So I may have to mid-podcast go get another, <laughs> go get another one. Um, so anyway... <laughs> Those things can get you either removed or they can get you demonetized. And so that's kind of what we're talking about. So now that we've kind of talked about where we are, let's talk about kind of what's led us here. When I was a kid, I didn't grow up with outdoor TV. Um, I had to teach myself how to hunt. My dad didn't do it. We got into it kind of the same time we learned together. Uh, and then I went to college to study wildlife management because I loved it so much, but I didn't grow up with outdoor TV. So my first experience with it was when I got to college and I loved it. I loved so much about it, but then I started making outdoor TV and I started seeing the not so good side of it. Uh, I would see like, for instance, I remember being in camp with a girl in Colorado and we were at a lodge and I was there with a TV show I was doing uh, work for at the time, an outdoor show. And there was a bunch of other hunters in the lodge with us. And there and there was this girl, I'll leave her unnamed. And she was there with her camera crew and her show. And in the evenings, me and some of the guys from the other show, we'd kind of get together, have some drinks, go through our footage from that day. Because we were hunting the same ranch. We were just hunting different areas of it. And there was both high fence and low fence. And she was hunting in the high fence portion of the ranch. And I never forget this. This is a good example of when I started to learn the truth about some of what happens in outdoor TV. She went out and she shot an elk with a bow. She rushed her shot very poor shot she didn't find him and big bull giant bull she didn't find him and she was back at the lodge that evening showing the footage to everybody in the lodge there was like 15 other hunters in the lodge because this is a huge place and they're all watching the footage she put up on the big screen she's asking everybody do you think we'll find him do you think we'll find him and everyone's being supportive oh sure yeah you'll find him tomorrow you'll find him tomorrow well the next day they went and looked and they didn't find him so she consulted with the ranch manager she says look i know i traded you guys a bull elk for the show, but I can't air the show if I don't have a recovery. I gotta have I gotta have this recovery. Like I'm not gonna air this without a recovery. And so she talked that guy into letting her shoot another bull. But it had to be hush it had to be hush hush. So she went out, she shot another bull and she came back that evening and she was telling everybody in the lodge, oh my God, I found the elk. I found him. No. We found him. It took a lot of work, but we found him. Here's his pictures and everything. And nobody wanted to be rude, so they didn't say anything. But they all knew that that wasn't the same animal. And how I knew they knew it was because I, where I was staying was upstairs 
<clears throat> and with uh, the guy I was working with, we were sharing a room upstairs, and I had my window open, and I had the screen there, and I could hear the hunters, the, the, the actual customers outside talking. They were so pissed, and I remember one of them said, I'll never watch a hunting mm. show again as long as I live, and some of the other guys like, yep, nope, that, I didn't know that kind of thing happened, but I always kind of wondered, and now I know for sure. And they were super upset. And that show aired, and people knew when they watched it that it wasn't the same animal. And I don't know if this is true, but I heard it got that episode got yanked off the air because it got a lot of flack. Yep. So like that kind of thing started to put like a sour taste in my mouth with some of the outdoor TV stuff. Well then over the years, as we've gotten social media, <laughs> it's only gotten worse because now there are all these people that want to get into filming their own hunts and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's how I got started, but they're so desperate for attention and so desperate to get their name out there and to make a living in the outdoor industry in some capacity to have a YouTube channel and to monetize it and to be famous on Instagram that they will put the most outrageous content out there that puts hunting in such a horrible light, but they do it for exposure. Case in point, there was a guy, it was a clip on Instagram. All it was was him sawing the head off of a bear in slow motion, blood squirting everywhere. Got horrible flack on Instagram. What good does that do for hunting to show that? Like, answer that for me, Corey. Like, what good did that do for us, for him to show him sawing a bear's head off on slow motion and that be the only clip and he literally was laughing about it in his caption? Explain to me what the point of that is. I mean, that's, that's, the, stuff that, that's the stuff that the people are trying to shut down hunting and just have reasons to attack the hunting industry. Those, they're looking specifically for those types of things. And so you might have months and months, right, of like awesome content and awesome guys that are doing the right thing. And it takes one thing like that to just sh to overshadow everything else. You know, it's not like uh, it's not necessary at all. Um, I don't even know. Like, I, I can't I can't wrap my brain around what like. That you that you, that a human being would need that much attention to do that to first of all not on camera just to do that and laugh about it like that's a whole different ball game like we've talked about that many times and like you know the like honoring of the animal and stuff like there's so much wrong with that outside of what we're talking about right now but like um yeah it just it puts a it it, it makes it really tough to recover from stuff like that because um. You know, it's hard enough to, it's hard enough for you and I to have conversations with people that don't believe in hunting or don't understand why we do it. It's hard enough to like convince people that this, like, this is what we should be doing. Um, and something like that happens, it just gives them ammunition, you know, to, and it, and, you know, YouTube, I'm not saying YouTube, you know, is sitting there looking for that stuff specifically, but when they see it, it makes it easier to do the things that they probably want to do. You know what I mean? Like they probably, you know, whether they're against hunting or, or not or, or whatever, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, like I said, I don't know anybody that owns YouTube. I don't know any of the owners. I don't know how they think. Um, but they're getting a lot of pressure, I'm sure, you know, from the outside uh, world, even though their business owners are still getting a lot of pressure of what to show, what not to show. 
Um, I don't know, man. And yeah, you so know what, it, let me cut you off ahead. there. So to that point, because you bring up a good point, and I don't want to lose this. Yeah. I read in an article, and this is a really good point, that, and again, doesn't matter what YouTube's stance on hunting is, but when you think about their revenue stream, the hunting market is very, very, very small for them. Very small yeah. compared to everybody else. And when you have a company that's paying for advertising on YouTube and those ads are going to be played in your hunting video. But if your hunting video mm. is not tactful and looks bad, like some of the things that were talked about, some of the things that we're going to talk about tonight, you from someone said from YouTube's point of view in this article, there, those ad partners who are paying for those ad spaces oftentimes do not want their ads ran on top of that kind of content because it makes their brand look bad. Yep. And so if you're YouTube and from, from a strictly, now I'm not talking politics, I'm not talking anything, mm -hmm. I'm just talking strictly from a business perspective. If you are YouTube and the hunting market is a teeny tiny fraction of your market, but your big brand partners have an issue with some of the distasteful stuff that you're putting in your hunting content, who do you think YouTube is going to go after? The brand partner or you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Yeah. I'll let you continue on. <laughs> well, no, I it, I was gonna use an example too. So there's a I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name. Although he's I don't know why I couldn't, but I just won't. I don't think it's fair to name name people maybe in this conversation. But there's a, a waterfowl. Uh, YouTube channel I follow and the guy puts out a ton of content and I enjoy it like I do enjoy it I learn a lot from it he's constantly all over the place he's a little, little bit goofy but he's he's kind of relatable in a way like he's goofy but relatable like I'm kind of goofy and like he like shows everything you know so like if he doesn't set the right spread he he you, know, you see him out there moving it around at 8 a.m you know like so like it's real um, he has a dog and his dog's not perfect. And so he's like working with his dog and trying to get him right. Well, to your point, like he's in, I think it, it probably falls under some of the guidelines you were talking about earlier. So one of the things that he was demonetized and then quickly within a day was back up and running, but he had to like, he was one of the fortunate ones. I actually got to talk to somebody at YouTube. I don't know how that happens. Or Cause whatever, it's almost he, impossible. He no, it's like impossible. And he even said that it was like, it was like a miracle that they got in touch with YouTube and they laid out very similar guidelines to him. And so, but it wasn't specific enough. Like, Hey, we saw this video. And so you can't do that in that video. It was like, these are new guidelines. So one of the things that he did was, um, and you see this in a lot of waterfowl stuff because it's hard to shoot. You see a lot of GoPros and a lot of, um, shotgun cams. And, and I think it's Tacticam. I think my, I don't, I don't know if that's the exact one, but like it's on the shotgun, you see the shot, like you can slow it down. And so to your point, that's the stuff they probably don't want to see. They don't want to see like this, even though it's a, it's a duck, right? They don't look at, I mean, it's, it's still, it's a, it's a, it's game that you're shooting, right? So like, they don't want to see the slow motion shot of the duck flipping over in the air and falling in the water and dying. So he, He's like, I'm not even really sure, but he's like, I'm going to take all the, all the cams off my shotguns and like, we're just going to film everything from the water, even though as hard as it is, that's what we're going to do. Um, so that's like one of the things he did, but he, he even said, he's like, we're going to give it a shot. He's like, I don't know. He's like, there's probably obviously another, another thing that, that might hurt us too, but 
they're not being specific enough either. Probably intentionally. For the guys are doing it right. Probably intentionally. Yep. Because if they leave it intention, if they if they intentionally tell you exactly what you can't do, then people will work around it. I think YouTube sees the advantage of leaving the guidelines a little vague because they can flag or do whatever the heck they want to do at that point. You know, yeah, for sure. Well, and, w- and one thing I want to I want to note here, and, and part of me, you know, I titled this uh, podcast uh, an unpopular opinion on YouTube hunting channels, and the reason why I use the word an unpopular opinion is. Like, I know that this might fire people up a little bit, but the truth is, is that YouTube is a business. It is owned by Google. And whether you like Google and YouTube or not, whether you feel like their political stance lines with yours or not, at the end of the day, they are a business. They are there to make a profit. And if they see you as a problem, they have the right to remove you. And that may be an unpopular opinion, but... Hey, I'm I'm as conservative as they come. Mm-hmm. I live in sec- Texas, man. Drive a lifted truck, you know, like got more guns than I know what to do with. Like I'm as conservative as they come. However, being a conservative means that you can't sit here and scream that YouTube is attacking your freedoms because if you're truly conservative, then that means that you support capitalism. And if you support capitalism, then that means you support a free market. And if you support a free market, then that means you support private businesses and business rights. And if you support business rights, then that means by default, you support YouTube's ability and freedom as a business to be able to either demonetize you or remove you. And that may be really hard to like grasp, but at the end of the day, they're a business and I support business rights. Even even if I feel like it's against what I want them to do, I support business rights and so they have the right to do that. So therefore... If, if you have an issue with it, you either need to find a better way to be more tasteful about what you're doing or find a different platform. Now, that being said, let's talk a little bit more, Corey, about some of the stuff that we've seen that may have helped lead to this. Like, what are some things that you've seen over the years? You sent me pictures of people with beer cans over dead deer oh, and stuff like dude, that. Like, the tell beer me, can like, thing. Like, like, give me some stuff, man. Dude, you just hit you just hit a nerve, man. The beer can thing, <laughs> even though it sounds minor, like, I, I cannot stand that. And hey, Jarrett. Jarrett's on. Uh, oh yeah, true. So many, us, he, so many are upset, but they are the minority. Yep, very true, man. Dude, it's so the beer can thing's just one thing. Look, but that is it's so true. It's like, dude, do you really, do you really have to? And I'm not saying like just cracking a beer open because you're celebrating, you know, the kill. I'm, I'm like, whatever. Like I'm all whatever you want. I had to a shot of suburban it, or suburban a bourbon by an elk one time. Yeah, you know, whatever, to celebrate dude. Mexico. Yeah. That's different than cracking your freaking beer open, dude, and pouring it on the animal or like smashing it on the antlers. Like, why, dude? It's like, I don't know. I, I, I just have, I have so much respect for the animals that we chase and hunt. I was talking to Dave one time. Um, it was like weird. It's like an emotional conversation because we were talking about how like, you know, you go through as a hunter, like you, you, you're like so obsessed with this chase, you know? And then sometimes when you kill a buck or you shoot an animal that you're chasing or whatever, there's this like emotional thing that comes over you. Um, and like, there's like even regret in a little bit of a way. It's like, Oh, you just, you killed an animal. Like for me anyway, I'm not saying that everybody should feel that way. And I'm not saying I'm right for feeling that way. It's just that comes over me a little bit, but I, I think that comes from like honoring and respecting the animal. There's that moment where you like, you realize what you did. 
right? But but then it's that's part of it. Like that's part of the journey and part of the hunt. And when I see somebody smash a beer can over the head of an animal or like that, it's like they don't get it, man. They truly are, in my opinion, they're truly just killing something that they have no respect for. Um, and that's the stuff that damages what we're trying to do and what's such an uphill battle. You know, so it's just, it is, it's such an uphill battle. Yeah, man. So like to that point, I have an article pulled up here because some people may not even believe this story. Some of you listening um, may have heard of this story, but if you hadn't and you don't believe me, just literally Google, <laughs> Google uh, Huntress sex toy. Okay. Oh. For those of you who have never heard this story, this is, this is mind boggling. So there's a girl, another girl I've shared camp with and, and know, by the way. She's lucky I'm not saying her name because I want to. I literally had to pray Shit. about this before the podcast because I want to say her name so bad. But hey, I'll, if you want, I'll type if, it in the comments. If, if you want to know what it is, just Google the story and you'll get it. Yeah, so, you'll find it. So this girl, she goes to Scotland, gets to go on a hunt over there. Scotland's not known for its hunting usually. So it's kind of a tougher place to necessarily get the ability to go and hunt at. She's over there. She's celebrating a friend's 30th birthday. They're all together. They're hunting a bunch of girls. And she's one of those girls that got into hunting simply because of her looks. I'm going to call it what it is. It's true. I know the story. I heard it. I heard the story partially from her herself. And she was like one of those muzzy babe kind of girls that, you know, gets into the Instagram, wants to be Insta famous, that kind of thing. And so she, she goes over to Scotland and she shoots this, this, I think it was a sheep. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was like uh, a really exotic looking sheep. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what it was. Anyway, she shoots this kind of sheep and they're posing with it and they have bloody sex toys in the picture as a joke. They think it's funny and they share it on Instagram and immediately it goes viral. And then it mm. makes the news to the point where politicians in Scotland are like trying to figure out how to never let this girl come back ever again. Like, it was horrible. I mean, people were so pissed. And she made headlines everywhere. It just, just disgraceful. Like, can you imagine? Like, what would have to go through your head to make you want to pose with a bloody sex toy next to an animal you just whose life you just took? And then to top it off, she goes off to England like a couple of weeks later or somewhere over some Britain, something like that. And, and she yeah. shoots another animal. And... She poses with it to stir up more, more of the fire. And then she goes as far as to make, get shirts made. And, and I want to make sure that I, I quote this correctly. So I'm pulling the article up in front of me. But the shirts that she made bear the slogan, don't let me get your goat. And the other one is called the barbaric hunter. And she said that she would never apologize for what she did. And that if you didn't like it, you could unfollow her and not watch her stuff. And she literally made shirts over it. This is a girl who doesn't get it. She doesn't get what hunting's about. She doesn't get that hunting is on the losing end at the moment of, of, a, of a pastime that used to be normal. But now today, a lot of society doesn't understand the point of it. And it's our job right now to be like educating people and teaching them about hunting and making it look good, not doing what she did i mean dude you want to know why people get fired up and get kicked off of youtube <laughs> there's your ammo right there 
dude and obviously like that's an extreme one that's off the off the wall like i and i didn't even know about that when you were telling me about it earlier like hunting show host man she's got her own freaking dude, show crazy. she should be stripped off the air for that and that's like there's a couple things going on there the one thing i think i mentioned to you before is like like i have a seven-year-old little girl that loves the outdoors you know and like one of the things as a parent is you you know you try and put the right people in her life to be role models you know whether it's church or school or whatever and you, you're like you're just you know you're about to have a child whether i know you're having a boy but it's the same thing right like you're gonna be really just cautious of that and but as like a female like i'm all about females hunting you know they're not they're there's not enough females that hunt um and I hope my daughter does hunt. Like if she decides not to, that's fine too. Right now she loves it. She talks about going in the duck blind. She talks about going hunting with Charlie and I and you. And like, it's just, it's cool to hear her talk like that. But to think like if she was, you know, 13 or something like that and was on Instagram and saw that, dude, like these are, these are the role models that like our kids could potentially see. There's just so much wrong with it. And like, it's tough to explain to your daughter or your son or whatever, like why people do that at, at a younger age, you know, as, as they're younger, they don't understand. Um, and, and social media and YouTube, they've opened the door for all of this. Yeah. You know? Jared's opened... good. Good. Go ahead, I was going to say, Sorry. so Jar Jarrett says we lost dove hunting in Michigan because of lack of education behavior like her steer people away. Totally true, man. Yeah. Go ahead, Corey. No, I was just, I mean, it's opened the door for so much good to happen. And it's also opened up the door for so much bad. Um, it's such an opportunity. And there is a lot of, and again, we're talking about obviously a lot of the bad, but there's a lot of, a lot of good YouTube channels out there with there hundreds of thousands of followers that are doing things the right way that, that I follow and I, you know, have talked to or messaged or whatever. And they're doing things the right way. Um, but, um, but even they get, they get caught up in it too, like caught up in like being overshadowed by some of the other stuff that's going on, you know? Um, yeah, I don't know, man, there's so much, there's so much to it, um, to the, to the business part, you know, I, as a business owner also, I agree, man, like free, free enterprise, like I'm all about it. Um, I think when you talk about freedom and especially I think people are really sensitive to it over the past year or so, you know, just with everything that's going on, not to talk politics, but the, it's the reality of the things that are changing in our country. But, but I think, but I think, you know, people are taking that word freedom to an extreme in some cases and they're using it everywhere now. Like in other words, like, Hey, it's my freedom to do this, do that. It's my freedom to be on YouTube and saw the head off of a bear. Dude, no, no, it's not. <laughs> it's actually not. It's your freedom to go out and do that. If you want to do that, do that. It's not ethical. I wouldn't approve of it. You can do it. It's a free country to be able to do that. Um, now, I don't think, like, I don't know the whole story or whatever happened, but, like, obviously the abuse of animals and things like that, I don't believe in that. And that is, there is laws against that kind of stuff. But just because you're on YouTube doesn't give you the freedom to do whatever the heck you want. That has nothing to do with the Constitution. 
Like it literally has nothing to do with the Constitution. Yeah, which is funny because like, people always say they're taking away our freedoms because they're removing our channels or they're demonetizing us and, and it's an attack on you know the First Amendment. Like, no, it's not. I mean, and again, I'm as conservative as they come and I do Someone. believe that a lot of our freedoms in our country in general are being yes. stripped of us. Not to mention how they, sorry, they weaponized COVID is what it is. Yep. But yep. Um, I, I hate... I hate the the stripping away of freedoms in the country, and it is a real thing. But YouTube removing your channel or demonetizing you is not a loss of freedom. That's not an attack on the First Amendment. That is a business making a business decision. Whether you like it or not, or whether I like it or not, doesn't change the fact that they have the right to do that, which is right. all the more reason why you and me and everyone else who posts anything on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram hunting related should make it our number one priority to put it in the best light as possible. Because no, not, not even just the demonetizing of it or, or the removal of it, but it goes beyond that. It's the, This is an uphill battle. I mean, we got laws out there that are trying to get passed to do things like prevent the ability to bring game across you know killed game across state lines mm -hmm. that's a i mean think about what that would do to hunt the hunting industry i'm not talking about hunting tv industry i'm talking about hunting in general no. think of what that would do for outfitters for sales of camo ammunition tags mm -hmm. conservation you know money a lot of people don't realize this Pittman robinson act baby that's where that's where a lot of our funds come from for conservation yep. And that comes through the sales of hunting-related products and things like that. And if you ban the ability to take harvested game across state lines, you will kill hunting in all these states. Think about Colorado, man. Think about how many people go there and hunt in Colorado. You and I, we're planning a trip there for an elk hunt next year. But I can tell you right now, neither one of us would go if we couldn't bring the elk back. So the only no. people that are going to elk hunt in Colorado are going to be native people to Colorado, and that's only Dude. a portion of the people that actually hunt there. But where do these bills come from? What inspires them? And why is it being so pushed today? It's easy. It's social media. Yeah. And I know it might be an extreme reach, but like, think about this, right? So think about the guy that cuts the head off of the bear, right? All these things happen. It gets on the radar of legislation. They throw something in like this, you know, this that you're just talking about now. And then you got some guy, dude, that's been packing points, like adding up points. 20 for years. His lifelong. I mean, I'm, dude, some of these states like, like um, New Mexico. Uh, well, not New Mexico. Probably like Wyoming, uh, Montana. Arizona. You know, Arizona, places like that, dude, where guys are waiting 20, 25 years, and now there's like point creep and all that kind of stuff coming in. Dude, they've been waiting all their life and saving up for these hunts, and now they have the potential of, yeah, they can still go on the hunt maybe, but it's like, dude, you're, ru you're ruins, ruining so much that we wouldn't even have, like we won't even touch the surface of how it affects how it affects the industry, how just these things on YouTube are affecting the industry. Yeah, and a lot of people might think, okay, that law is far-fetched, no way it would get passed. And maybe that's true, but right. did you ever think that half of the stuff that's happening in our country today would ever <laughs> happen? Because if you told me four years ago that a half of the stuff that had happened, I would have told you you were high. I can't believe some of the stuff that's happened today. So, mm -hmm. hey, I, I believe anything can happen now at this point, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I mean, genuinely, anything can happen. I don't put anything past anybody today. Yeah. But I do believe that even if it was just something that was – a quarter as bad as that, 
it's damaging no matter what. And we have an mm. opportunity when we post content online, particularly on places like YouTube, to be good stewards and to put out, you know, ethical har- harvest of animal and educational content and focus less about how many frames you can make your arrow smack into a deer frames per second, slow motion, so you can get the goriest shot you can and spend more time focusing on why you're there and what you love about it and the excitement. You know, I heard this podcast the other day. I can't remember the name of it. It was a great podcast. I was driving down the road. It just happened to pop up on a suggestion and I listened to it. And these guys were talking about camera equipment for, for uh, outdoor photography or video. And, and it was a, a podcast I'd never heard of. And these guys were great. I wish I knew the name. I, would, I totally would give them some props. But I'll never forget. Uh, one of them said, hey, a viewer, because they were doing like a live podcast. He said, hey, one of our audience members wants to know what you do in a situation when you can't get the deer on camera for the kill shot do you wave the hunter off and tell them not to shoot the animal or what do you do and the guy had a great response he said dude been there several times if i'm in a situation where i can't physically get the animal on camera i point the camera at the hunter and i get his reaction and emotion emotion Mm. because to me that's more important anyway and to the viewer like that should be what's the most important he's like the, the animal and the kill shot like so many people focus on that, but really what matters was this guy's reaction. And if he like breaks down and cries or is like so stoked, he's just shaking, or maybe he misses and the, and the, the look is all over his face. That's the story, not the, yeah. not the arrow placement. And so like, yeah, like I love a cool slow motion shot, just like the next guy, but maybe some of that stuff today we should be more careful about because when we show a deer, I've seen this, man. I had a guy he sent me an example. He wanted me to hire for some freelance work. And he had a video clip of Honey filmed, and he edited it. And, he, and a guy shoots a deer. It runs over into the woods, and he's keeping it on the deer the whole time. The deer falls in the ground, and he's got a minute and a half to two minutes of content of that deer kicking his leg suffering to rock mm-hmm. and roll music. What the freaking heck are you doing, man? Get that crap out of here. That's number one, it's disrespectful. And number two, the animal. And number two, look what you're doing to to hunting, man. It's destroying it. Yep. Yep, man. Um man. So some of the one of the other things we were talking about, not to like totally switch gears, but you know, as obviously your page is you know, great hold up filming and read read, read that comment Matthew posted. Oh yeah, to have dominion over a thing, you have to first have respect of that thing. That's so true. So oh, man, true, that man. Is so true. Great, great comment, Matthew. That's so true. You have to respect it. Go ahead, bro. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, like, um, you know, we were talking about. Obviously, we're doing this in a a filming group. You know, most of the people watching here probably are in some aspect or some stage of filming. And so I'm going to ask you a question. I'm going to flip it on you, even though you're hosting this thing. So like as, and I'm not saying everybody on here has a YouTube channel. That's not even what this is about. Well, it is about YouTube, but not this particular <laughs> piece. It's, it's spurred the conversation. Go ahead. It's spurred the conversation. So as videographers and as guys that are making films, whatever you're making, whether you're making documentary, whether you're turning on a freaking GoPro, which I think is awesome anyway at times, like just to document things. So what I you're do. planning out. You know what I mean? Or whether you're, you're planning out a whole entire film that you're going to put together that's going to be 30, you know, 30 minutes long or whatever. I don't know what you're, what you're planning. What is our responsibility as guys that are picking up cameras in the field 
Um, I know it's kind of a really broad question, but like, I know you've put a lot of thought in that. So like, as, as the guys that want to shed the right light on things, like what would you suggest we focus on? So great question, man. So first off, I, I, I like as a, as someone who loves to tell stories, whether it's on a podcast or whether it's writing a story or whether it's uh, creating a story through video, my default answer would want to be, well, you should focus on the story. But the reality is, is not every hunt should be a story. Some of it should be um, funny. Some things should be educational. So it's not always like, even though I want to say story, I, I would say story's not really it all the time. I think but what, what I can say is this, it's our responsibility anytime we're out, whether we're filming with a GoPro, which is what I do, which is funny because I have, yeah. I don't even know how much money I have tied up in video equipment sitting in my office. But when I go out for me for fun, I throw a GoPro open tree. It's all I do because I'm there to hunt. Like that's all I want to think about. And so if I'm, if I'm, whether you're like me and you're just doing a GoPro or whether you're taking two guys out in the field and you're doing a two camera shoot for a spot and stock elk hunt, at the end of the day, your number one priority should be remember the reason why you're there, the real reason why you're there, not the dollar stuff, because even if you are making money, even if you are, you weren't at some point and you were into hunting for some reason at some point before the money ever started to come in. So number one, remember why you're there, why you're really there. And then remember the animal that you're hunting because you're if you are successful, you are taking its life. Never forget that. You know, never, never forget that. So remember the animal, be respectful. And if you want to, if you want to show your hunt on camera, try your very best to do it in a respectful and creative way. And by creative, I mean, there are ways that you can, for instance, show a kill shot, but do it more tastefully. A few years ago, I, I had this kill shot I wanted to show but I wanted it to look more creative and less about the animal dying and more about the moment. So I took the shot, the kill shot, I filmed the kill shot, but I went back in the field the next day and I filmed the guy shooting out of a box blind with a rifle, had a scope and focus. And I took the kill shot and post and I scaled it down. I reversed it, placed it inside the scope as a reflection and changed the opacity and masked it out and even tracked the scope when the gun shot so the whole thing followed the scope the whole time. So what it looked like was that the whole kill shot was a reflection in his optics in the end of his scope, and it looked awesome. And I showed the animal in a frame this small getting shot, but it looked awesome. It looked so cool, and it was a creative way to showcase the hunt that was respectful to the animal. I showed what happened. But I didn't do it in a watch it suffer kind of way. And I guarantee you that's not going to be flagged on YouTube anytime soon because I didn't do anything to make it stand out necessarily. So I feel to answer your question, it's our job, no matter if you're showing your buddies or whether you're doing it professionally, to make sure that you you prioritize why you're – remember why you're there and prioritize – being respectful to the sport and to the animal itself. Yeah. That's great, man. And dude, there's so much technology out there. Like you don't have to be like awesome at, you know, premier pro like, dude, there's a ton of stuff out there. Even if you wanted free editing software to like literally just take your film and cut the stuff out that shouldn't be up there. If you're going to put it on YouTube or something, I think half these guys, um, or just lazy with it, to be honest with you. I think they just, they just, you know, they turn the camera on, they film the whole thing and then they throw it on YouTube. And 
maybe sometimes they're not even thinking of what they're putting up there that can damage it. It's just being more thoughtful of like, not to your point, it's like, it doesn't have to be like a highly produced film every time. In fact, a lot of the good stuff isn't, it's just, you know, it's real. Like that's, that's where I think people learn. It's like where people can relate to it and go like, that dude just missed that deer. Like he shot that, he shot like, you know, it was like a 20 yard shot. He shot five yards over the deer. Like that stuff happens, you know, in real life. It's like that stuff is teaching people and teaching, you know, guys that are coming up learning or kids or whatever. They're like, oh, that stuff really happens. Like just film the real stuff and just put some extra time into like taking the stuff out that shouldn't be in there, you know? Yeah. And from a, from a filming perspective, you know, cause again, this is a filming podcast and a filming group. I think don't look at some of the YouTube demonet like, like people getting demonetized and channels, some channels getting removed and stuff. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I don't want YouTube to ban hunting. Corey, you don't want YouTube to ban no. hunting, but I think that some people deserved it. And unfortunately they created problems for the rest of us. And I think it's important now that we just look at it and say, okay, this is what happened. What can we do from here? And let's just challenge ourselves to find ways to be more creative. Like that shot I just explained. Push yourself as a creative from a filming from a filming perspective, whether you're a novice or whether you've been doing this for 20 years. Say, okay, man, we've been showing for 40 years on outdoor TV and now on YouTube and carbon TV and whatever yeah. else. We've been showing hunts the same way. What are some ways that we can be more creative and do things differently. Let's push ourselves as creatives to think outside the box, to show what we're doing, but in a more tasteful and creative way. And use the demonetizing or the YouTube banning of certain things like kill shots to push you as a creative into finding ways to work around it. And that nice. should make you better as a filmmaker, not to mention it'll make the sport of hunting look better because you're not showing some of the things we probably shouldn't be showing anyways. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, absolutely. It, There's two other two things I'm thinking of. Yeah. Um, one thing we talked about that I think um, I think has another huge impact on this, like almost drives it in some ways, and that's um, sponsorship. And it's not even YouTube; it's like all of social media. Whether you're talking about like the Huntress thing or like whatever, it's like these people are the sponsors. In other words, and I'm not saying like, I'm not putting them all in a box. Like this podcast is brought to you in part by yeah. DJI, yeah, like, here's my new Ronin that came in the mail today, which it really dude, did. Dude, and I get it. Like, I get it. Like, sponsorship is good. It's needed. Like, it should, there should be sponsorship. Like, that's how businesses grow. But I think the problem is, is like, a lot of these, in my opinion, a lot of these bigger companies or any company, period, they're going right to who has the most likes, who has the most followers, especially if you just look at YouTube. Like, who has the most followers? I'm not saying they don't, like, they don't vet any of these people that they're sponsoring. But let's be honest, they're looking for who has the most followers, who's got the most who, who can I put? Yeah, like who can I have put my product on, whether it's a shirt or hat or apparel, who can I put in, who can I put this bow in the hands of that has 400,000 followers on YouTube that's going to get a sales up? Like, dude, let's be honest, it's a business and they're going to do it. And the problem I think with a lot of it is they're not doing a lot of vetting. And then you've got, 
sponsors that are driving these people to go out and do these things to get more followers because let's be honest, they're making more money the more followers they have because they're they're in contracts that say, dude, you've got to do this, 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 this. Oh, and by the way, if you get your followers up to 800,000, I'm just you know making numbers up, we'll give you this bonus. Like that, dude, carrot. that stuff happens. Little carrot. Yeah, that stuff happens. And so then some dude goes out and he saws the head off a bear. And he's not like, he's not even thinking straight. Like, I think a lot of it is driven that way. It's there's like a, a lot drug, of good dude. with sponsorships too. Yeah, for sure. A lot of good, but I think there's a lot. There's the social media thing is a, is an animal, man. It's just, it's, and especially in the Huntress thing too. I think that's where it's really taken hold where it's like this, this quote, and I hate the name, but the influencer out there. <laughs> that is literally you know I mean? one of my most hated phrases in the planet. Oh. Hate that so word. Bad. Hate it. It's so bad. <laughs> what does it even mean? And in fact, they have no influence on people. They have likes. They don't have influence on people. They have influence because. Uh, and anybody could be an influencer. Like I remember, I had this yeah. girl. She wanted to do some social media marketing for some of my clients. So we, we set up a meeting, and she told me during the meeting that she was a, a social media influencer. And I was like, "Oh, really?" She's like, "Yeah." I was like, "What do you influence?" I influence this, 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 and this. I'm just such an influencer. Blah blah blah. And I looked her up when she left. She had like 150 followers on Instagram. I was like, "You're not influencing anybody." Like, <laughs> like what she's are you doing first, here? She, first level influencer. She just threw the name behind her because she's like, "I'm going to identify." We love that word today i identify as an influencer but dude so let's talk about let's talk about perception um and per- or perspective i mean this is a word you and mm. i have talked about in some of our conversations hunting a lot of hunting and your views on hunting come from what your perspective is and your perspective is often shaped by what your experiences are and what you've seen a good example is when I was in college and I was first kind of getting into filming and I had shot my very first hunting project in Oklahoma and I came back and I didn't know how to use Premiere Pro like anything. Hey, Sam, thanks for joining in, buddy. You should, hey, definitely, you should definitely go back and listen to some of this other stuff too when you get a chance. Hear about some very interesting stuff. Um, anyway... I remember I, I, I came back from Oklahoma. I had no idea how to use Premiere. And this girl that I knew from college, I was friends with, she was in college with me at the time, and she was studying film. And she was in video and broadcast classes and stuff. And she knew how to use Premiere. So I literally hired her. I said, hey, you know, how much do you want to cut this hunt together for me? She was not a hunter. But she's like, oh, uh, I don't know, you know, 500 bucks. I don't remember what it was. And so she she worked on it for a couple of days, and she put it together. And when I watched her first draft back, I'll never forget, I had filmed this, I think it was an Eland, and I filmed because it was an exotic ranch I was on. I filmed this Eland getting shot, and I kept the camera rolling as he ran over and died, and I kept the camera on him as he was dying and it wasn't because i wanted that to be shown i kept it on there just because and as i was filming i didn't know what else was going to happen like is he going to get up and run off and maybe the getting up and running off i might want for part of the story like oh he went down but then he got back up you know like Mm -hmm. maybe so i i didn't quit rolling and i don't think there's anything wrong with rolling because in the moment when you're documenting you don't know what to expect but i never would have put that in the cut she did in her first draft put that entire kicking of legs and anything and, and the animal suffering and it was like a minute and a half worth of footage and i asked her i said hey why did you put that in there she goes well i'm not a hunter 
but from what I've seen, like my perspective is that that's what you want to see. Yeah. Broke my heart, man. I was just like, no, I don't want to see that. Like, I love animals. Like, I probably love animals more than you. Like, I, it's funny, but people don't get that. But I no. really, I truly, I tell people this. I've told people this on airplanes when they asked me where I was going for, for work. And we talk about hunting, and they're like, oh, I'm not into hunting. I love animals. And I will tell them, like, I probably love animals more than you. I love animals so yeah. much. I like to hunt them, and I understand the importance of conservation behind it, but I respect the heck out of them. But this girl, she, she didn't think that. Perspective, man. Talk to me about perspective and how it's been shaped through hunting television and hunting YouTube. Yeah, I think YouTube, well, television, like you said, has. Now, it's like YouTube. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I don't even have cable. Like, I'm watching YouTube all the time. I don't know. I know there's still cable shows out there. and <laughs> I, I get have, it. I don't outdoor have cable, channel. so. <laughs> I mean, Outdoor Channel still exists. I get it. Um but I'm YouTube like all the time. Like that's where I'm looking for my stuff. If I want to see something or learn something or whatever. Like I'm on YouTube. Um, so I'm going to use it from the YouTube perspective uh, or talk about that perspective. I think, um, I think again, there's a, there's a lot of good YouTube stuff where you can like learn and be educated. But I also think a lot of it sets this perspective of what hunting is. And in some cases, how maybe easy hunting is where it may be not, might not be because they're not telling the whole story. Like you don't know how many sits it actually took to shoot the buck. Yeah, like there might've been eight, eight days straight of all, all day sits before they got a shot at a buck, you know, like most of us, I, I know like as a working person and everybody, I'm sure you either have your own business or you're working a nine to five, like whatever, you don't have the time to be in the woods that a lot of these guys that are, that are, have YouTube, I'm talking about like YouTube channels that that is like their business is hunting, you know, like there's a lot of perspective that's set on what hunting actually is and what it's not and how much work you have to put in and how much work people think you don't. And then they, and then what, what it does is it frustrates people. They go out and they sit twice, you know, they have, they have this, you know, this buck of their dreams on a trail camera like three times in the dark over like a two month time frame, and they go, I'll just get him in the rut. Like, because they've heard one guy on YouTube say, well, you know, nocturnal bucks will do stupid things in the rut. And so then they go out and they sit twice, you know, during the rut and they're, they're mad that they haven't seen this deer. Like there's just, and that's just like, maybe it's not a great example, but like stuff like that, it doesn't give people a true, example experience really honestly in my opinion is the only thing that does like i've been hunting for we were talking about this the other day it's like so i was in the woods at 12 i remember literally like one of the first things i did i wasn't even hunting at 12 but i think i think in pennsylvania when i lived there like you could get a license when you're 12 so i think i did start when i was 12 but i went on a squirrel hunt with my dad you know just along for the ride you know and i remember how cool it was to like sit on the ground and like we shot a bunch of squirrels that day and it was like the coolest thing, but like to start out at 12 and to be this far on at 44 and I've spent that many years in the woods. And a lot of it was archery deer hunting or deer hunting period. You get so much experience. You learn to think like a deer and you really understand like what goes into actually shooting mature deer. Like 
it, there, there's just so much more to it, I think, than people honestly think there is. Um, and on the other side of it, I think it, it creates this perspective of some of the guys that are out there with YouTube channels that are shooting giants, that there's not a, not a ton of work that goes into it because they're also showing that they live on these huge farms in like the Midwest or like, you know, other places. So the perspective can literally go in so many different ways, but experience is really the only way I think, I believe that you can, you know, you can really get a true understanding of like what hunting is. Um, it throws people off and it gets people frustrated. And it also takes people off of what you're saying before, off of the main focus of why we're out there. Like you said, you know, when you're hunting, like just re remind yourself of why you're out there. It's to enjoy, in my opinion, it's to enjoy the sunrise, enjoy the sunset. You know, thank God for all the blessings you have because you have a moment with him. Um, whether you're spiritual or you're not, I believe that that's a, the best place to meet to meet with him and to pray. And if you're if you're spiritual and you're faithful, and to just experience all that stuff and then just realize you're out there. Um, that's the stuff you don't see like on YouTube. You see, again, you see a lot of just the kill shot or like, you know, some guy that's on this, you know, thousand acre ranch. Um, so anyway, I'm kind of rambling a little bit. Now. No, you're good. This, so this is, this means a lot to me. So yeah, no, I know it does. And we've talked about this a lot. And, and in fact, what I was about to say, Matthew kind of cued me up for it. So Matthew says most mainstream shows give the new hunters unrealistic expectations. Awesome comment, Matthew. Very yeah. true, man. I remember when I was in college and I find, I said earlier in this podcast that I didn't have outdoor TV till I got to college because we have free cable in, in the dorm. <laughs> and so I finally got to watch some outdoor TV and my roommate and I were what we would watch all these hunting shows. And like Matthew says, these mainstream shows gave us unrealistic expectations. And we were hunting the hardest way. We, we had no private land access. We were in college. We had our bows. We were hunting bow hunt only areas, bow hunt only public land. And we <laughs> were teaching ourselves how to hunt. There's no harder way to learn how to hunt than that. I mean, that's as hard as it gets. And I mean, there were times I was just like, please, God, I just want to shoot a freaking doe. Like, give me something. I'll shoot a fawn fresh out of the wound. I don't care. Like, I want, a, I just want to shoot a deer because I've never, like, I hadn't really had that experience. And mm -hmm. I remember getting so frustrated because, main, like Matthew says, I'm, I'd watch these mainstream shows and they're dropping 160s, 170s, 180s every episode, sometimes to an episode. And you're like, like, I remember this one show. I can't remember. It was some kind of PSE DVD. I think that I had gotten with a bow. I bought <laughs> DVD. DVD. What's that? What's that? <laughs> I popped it in my old Xbox 360. And I remember <laughs> this guy, he's in a tree oh, stand and he, in like Iowa or something. It just, just in the woods, just outside of the, of some, some edge. And, and he shoots, a doe, then he shoots another doe, and then this big buck comes running out, and he smacks that buck, and then he had a second yeah. buck tag, and an even bigger buck came out, and he smacked that one, so he shot two does, and like a 160 and a 170 in a span of like six minutes, and my yeah. roommate and I were like, what the heck, and so, you know, we're out there hunting in this public land with our bow, no private land access, competing against hunters just as much as we're competing with the deer and we were so freaking frustrated we're like where's the 160s and the 170s i don't have yeah. two of them walking under my stand in a six minute period of time but it gave us completely unrealistic expectations now that's not going to get you banned or demonetized from youtube anytime soon mm -hmm. but i do think it's important 
that as, as, as much as we need to talk about like how you're respecting the game and how you're respecting the sport of hunting, I also think it's important that we remember that when we are teaching people about hunting and we are doing putting these episodes and these shows and web series and short films and all that online, that we try to give off an, a realistic expectation of what hunting is because hunting is, let's face it, it is going to be losing ground if we're not careful. And it's so important that we educate people and bring them into it as best we can. And if we make them think like, hey, your first two sets, you're going to see some slammers that they're going to be discouraged and they're going to quit. They need to know, hey, man, like if you're going to get in this, it's a grind and it takes time. It's going to take years of experience to learn these things. And you're going to fail and you're going to fail and you're going to fail. Maybe you'll get lucky, but you're going to fail more times than you succeed. It's kind of like baseball getting in the batter's box. And, but, but eventually you're going you're gonna to hit one and then you're going to hit another and then you're going to hit another and it's gonna, the pieces are going to start to come together. And that's when it starts to become a lot of fun. But I think we have to make sure that we give off a good impression of what it really is so that people don't have these unrealistic expectations and they have a good perspective yeah. on what hunting is, whether you are into hunting or you're like that girl who cut my video together and you aren't a hunter at all. We need to give everybody a good perspective on what it is. Dude, you're making me think. You're making me think of like when we started rooted outdoors. Dave and I had this conversation a lot. I mean, this is literally the conversation we had. We were having about like, if we start this YouTube channel, like, what do we want to do with it? For one, like, what's our goal with it? And the goal was to build a community of people, like hunters, that just you know, good hunters or just good good guys that just could lean on each other and talk about their challenges and talk about their faith um, and kind of connect that with the outdoors. And that was our thing. And it's interesting, like we don't kill a lot of deer, you know, cause we do, we hunt mostly public land. Um, and we do have, Dave has a private farm. He hunts that's in his family and stuff, which is awesome. But we, we, we sat there and we we're like, is anybody even going to watch this thing? Cause like we don't kill a ton of deer. And if you go on our YouTube channel, like you will see some deer get shot, but not many. <laughs> There's a couple turkey that gets shot and there's a couple deer that get shot, but a majority of it is that is, you know, I can remember, man, we, we filmed like, man, I'm telling you, we filmed like probably 10 or 15 different quote episodes or whatever you want to call it. Episodes, whatever. Web, webisodes. Of no, a webisodes of nothing. Like us in the tree talking to each other and like just doing stupid stuff. Like what snacks are in our packs and dude, no arrows flew for eight, eight straight. And you're just like, who's going to watch this? Because it's in your, it's in everybody's brain. It's like, if you don't kill something, eventually people aren't going to watch it. And, and I think there's something to that. And I think it's important. Like you should be showing, okay, you're going through this process. Eventually to your point, you're going to either get lucky or you're going to have some success. And again, we've had success, but man, it took me a really long time to get to, to a point where I have a couple mature deer on the wall that I'm proud of. Um, and I can't say that I haven't, you know, shot a lot of doe. That's true. But like I haven't up until a couple of years ago. And again, that's a long time. That's a long time frame hunting public land and just being around and learning and stuff like that, where I have two deer that are like wall worthy, you know what I mean? And, that, <laughs> yeah. and I'm proud of that. I'm very proud of that. I wouldn't take it back. I literally wouldn't take it back, but I think that's where, where guys go, man, I've been hunting like five years now. And I haven't shot a buck yet. Like, 
stop. <laughs> like there's guys that I know every now and then I'll see somebody, some of the cool stuff I, you do see on Facebook though, or YouTube, Facebook a lot is if you're in these, you know, hunting groups and stuff. I think one of the coolest things is when I see like this, like 65 year old dude, like post a picture of this like legal buck. I'm talking legal, not like a 160, like an 85 inch, 90 inch deer. It's legal. Dude, he's hunted all his life and that's his first deer. And I'm not saying he's done everything right, but it doesn't even matter. Like that dude just shot his first deer and he could be like 65 years old. That's the stuff that that's awesome. Like I love that. Like that. That's so cool. Um, and but but there's there's a there's a whole journey there where that dude's learned and made a lot of mistakes. Like you said, like you have to make a lot of mistakes before you put one on the ground, um, and you have to just take take it for what it is. There, we're talking a lot of deer tonight, but animals. Period. Let's be honest. Like when we walk into the woods or into the field, we are not. We have a disadvantage every single time. Like we don't have the advantage in most cases. You're waiting for that animal to make a mistake so that we can put it on our table. You know. So I know I kind of went off on a tangent. No, it's good stuff, man. You know, I, uh, I, I, uh, my dad and I started getting into hunting together kind of at the same time. He had done a, like a little hunting when he was in his like 20s and 30s, but he wasn't an avid hunter. He didn't know much about it. So when I started showing an interest, he's a good dad. So as a good dad would do, when I started showing interest, he got interested with me and we started learning it together. And then I completely took I, I let it consume me to the point I went to college to study wildlife management over it. I got in back-to-back internships at Parks and Wildlife over it. I loved it. Now I did outdoor filming, you know, et cetera. But I'll never forget, I filmed my dad. I got to film him shoot his first pig with a bow, first bow kill ever, and his first pig ever. I shot two in one shot, went through one pig and hit the other and killed two. I got that on camera. He was so excited. I got his first duck kills on camera. I got his first ever deer kill on camera. It was a doe. And then I took him to Oklahoma. I got offered a hunt in Oklahoma by a client of mine. And I gave it to my dad. I asked if I could give it to my dad. So I took my dad to Oklahoma and I filmed and killed his first buck. And he was in his 60s. He was probably 63, 64, something like that when he shot it. And he cried. Told me he waited his whole life for that. He had never had experience, never thought that would be him. Never, He said he never thought he'd be the guy to get to shoot a buck that he could mount. And I, yeah. I was there and I filmed it. I didn't make a video out of it or anything. I just literally got the kill shot just, just for us. And yeah. he cried. I mean, he was so, he just said it meant the world to him. So to your point, like that's, man, that is so, how that's so, so raw and so real. And for a lot of people, that is what's realistic, unfortunately, yep. but it is. Yep. Uh, but that doesn't make it any less than anybody else's experience. Um, and Matthew says, give some good examples of shows yeah. that educated and give a realistic perspective. Corey, I'll let you go first. Man, it's funny. I like saw his comment too. And I was like, oh, he's really putting us on the spot. But it's true that there isn't there isn't a ton. I'm thinking of the, of the ones I follow that I would like recommend. Um, and I'm not saying a lot of guys, I'm not saying everybody would agree with them. Um, but I, I do think the hunting public does a pretty good job. And here's where I say, here's where I think they do a good job. First of all, I'll tell you this. Those guys are absolute killers. Like they get after it and they hunt hard. And so I can appreciate that because they're hunting public land. I also know those guys didn't all grow up hunting public land. So I don't know if, if you guys watch the hunting public. A lot of those guys were um, part of Midwest Whitetail back in the day. Um, we've had, so on the Rooted Outdoors podcast, we had, um, 
a few of those guys actually on, not all from the hunting public, but we had a, uh, Aaron from the hunting public. And we also had, um, Jared Mills from Midwest whitetail. We had those guys on a rooted outdoors podcast. So we got to know them a little bit. Now, of course, hunting public blew up after that, but <laughs> I think they do a good job because I think they hunt hard and not that they're showing everything, but in a lot of cases they are, they're showing the daily grind. Like if you're watching right now, like I don't know if you're watching the current season, but they, they went and honestly, like there was part of me where it's like, I'm watching another one. And they haven't killed a deer yet. Like, it's hard to say that when you watch YouTube channels, cause they're, they are showing a lot of kills and their first kill this year. Now they start this deer tour back in, you know, early September. I think they hunt Kentucky first. No, actually they hunted the Dakotas, I think first or out in Montana or somewhere. They were out, out West. Their first kill, as far as I know, was a doe on public land in Iowa or somewhere. And like, dude, it's been weeks. Like they've been hunting weeks. And so like, I respect those guys. Cause I think like, if you look at the most popular and like followed YouTube hunting channels, they probably do it the best as far as like showing everything they can. And those guys are good. Like they're, they're down to earth. They're not making millions of dollars. They are out there every day, grinding it out. They have sponsorship, but I also know just from talking to Aaron from hunting public, I know what their approach is with sponsorships and they approach it the right way. They only get sponsored by, by things that they're using. Um, and, and I just feel like they're good. I do feel like, uh, so when I, when I went on my elk hunt a couple years ago, I watched a lot of born and raised, um, I don't know those guys. I've never met any of them, but I feel like they're pretty decent dudes. They also have hunted with the hunting public. I think when it comes to like elk hunting, uh, they do some waterfowl stuff. I think those guys show it kind of how it is too, because they're putting a lot of content out there. They're putting out basically every day that they're hunting. And then I would say three for me. Um, and I think part of it is just cause I love the way they film stuff. And I do think they're decent dudes. And I think they, sh they, they might not show it like the hunting public or like born and raised, but, um, Heartland bow hunter, they've been around a long time. And the reason I love those guys is because, um, we had actually, we had, uh, uh Michael Hunsinger on our podcast years ago. Um, really, really good dudes, like down to earth. And I think they're really ethical. That's the other thing. Like, I think they're ethical. Like they may kill like big, they may show more of the kill shots than some of the other channels out there, but I love the way they film it. They film it in a really, really, um, ethical way that shows hunting the way it should be shown. And those guys exploded, but they didn't let all the fame and sponsorship and stuff get to them. I think they just do it right. So those are the three that I kind of like when it comes to hunting, like I, I look at and I follow. So I have two of mine are the sim are the same and then one's different. So mm. Heartland has always been my favorite just from a, I just, I just enjoy watching it and they do it. What yeah. they do that I really appreciate is the, yes, like you said, they, it doesn't look like anything has gotten to them yet and any of their popularity has gotten to them and they've been copied time and time again, but they still do their thing and they're proud of it. And I love that. And I like, I really like the friendship aspect of it. They're always yeah. with their friends or their friends' kids uh, or, or with a dad. And, and it's always like this big group of friends, or at least that's how it comes across. And I, and I love it because when I see that, it makes me want to like call you up and say, dude, let's plan our duck hunt. And even if we're changing locations and 
scouting for a new hunting place at two in the morning. Like, I don't care because it's that memory. Like we talk about that all the time and or the mosquitoes that are eating us alive, you know, and we had like five thermocells trying to keep them off. But like, those are the things I remember about those hunts more than the ducks we killed. I remember that stuff. And I feel like Heartland does a good job of that, of showing the camaraderie aspect and that friendship aspect of it is what I like. And that's a good, that's a good perspective of hunting, I think, because yeah, they they kill some freaking big animals on that show. Giants, giants, they do. Yeah, he just, I think he just killed his biggest deer this year. Yeah, or it, was it last year? That no, was this year, I think. It, it's just amazing to me, like they how how successful they are hunting wise. However, I don't really remember most of the animals they shoot on that show. What I remember from that show is the friendships and 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 how they yeah. these guys are just always getting along and cutting up and like I I love that. So that's my one example. My second example would be uh similar to yours, uh the hunting public. Um I like the rawness of it and I feel like as a public land hunter myself, I have you know, I've had some private land over the years, but for the most part I'm I've always been public. Same with you. And as a public land hunter, I truly appreciate their ability to go in and get after it and the grind and the fact that they show the grind and some of their techniques and stuff. And I feel like it's educational because I watch it and I pick up stuff. Like I watched them put out a decoy and call in a buck to like 15 yards near, like out through Mm -hmm. like a field and a timber line out to a water hole and they shot him. And I just like watched that and I was like need to bring out my decoy this next trip out and you know like it's educational from that perspective because it gives me ideas and ways to hunt the public lands that i hunt and i'd go in with the idea of okay i saw what they did and it they grinded for it and this is going to be tough man it was tough for them it's going to be tough for me and so i like the perspective that they give there and then lastly this isn't a show necessarily but i i enjoy listening to the wired to hunt podcast because i like mark kenyon uh, and yeah. I like, I like the specifically Mark Kenyon and specifically mm-hmm. the conversations that he has when he tells about different hunts he's been on and kind of how he did what he did and why he did it, and all the different people he brings on to talk talk about different tactics and techniques for all different kinds of people, and he covers everybody: new hunters, long time hunters, hunters who hunt public, hunters who hunt private, hunters who hunt east, west, north, south on Mars. He hunts, he covers everybody. And I like that because it's extremely educational. So those are the three that I would pick. Yeah. I love Mark Kenyon too. I kind of forgot about it, not forgot about him, but, um, even, even him like joining up with meat eater, which happened, I think like two years ago, like to your point, like he's kept, you know, the meat eater guys are pretty down to earth too, in my opinion. And they show a lot of cool stuff. Like I love the you know, the, the field, the table stuff they show, like I watched that cause I love to just learn new, new ways to cook game. Although I need to get some game in my freezer to cook it. Um, if you would have shot thing, better last year, we might've had some more ducks in your freezer. At least the redhead. I would have taken that redhead over any other duck we shot last just year. Just amount it. For sure. Just amount <laughs> it. Guy, just for those of y'all listening, he missed a redhead. We had the worst hunt <sighs> ever. Dude. Guy, we didn't shoot a single bird. And we're getting ready to pack up the decoys. I'm like taking a leak and a redhead flies like 10 yards in front of Corey. And he misses <laughs> Come it. Come on, dude. He misses my gun it was three in... shots in a row. Dude, my gun was in the case. I had to pull the gun out of the oh, case. I'm up. still sure 10 what, yards, sure what dude, it was. You could have reached out and hugged him. Terrible. I thought it was a coot. I thought it was a coot. No, whatever. It looked like just like a coot. Could have had no, that I'm on your kidding. wall Look, in the background right one, now. 
<laughs> the ahead. one thing that's true. The one thing I, I um, so out of all the YouTube stuff, and we've talked a lot about YouTube and the hunting public specifically. One of the things that they did, which I thought was honestly probably the the cool, not coolest in the way that um, what happened, but coolest in the way they shot it, and um, they knew that there was going to be probably some controversy, but they they filmed it and they and they produced it anyway. Was and I don't know if you you saw this. I think it was last year. I don't remember which one, but one of them shot a deer, and it crossed. No, it didn't cross into private. But it um, it just wasn't it wasn't the best shot, and so they waited. They pulled back out and they went back in to get the deer, and the deer was still alive. They walked up on it. I mean, there was like ten yards away, and I don't remember exactly, but for whatever reason, the law said they couldn't shoot the deer. Probably because it was after dark or whatever it is after hunting hours. I think, and I think some states are like that. Like you can't finish off your deer, as stupid as it might sound, and so they follow the law. And they stood there. Now, they didn't show the deer at all, but they showed all of the emotion of, I don't know if it was Zach. It might have been Zach. I don't remember. But he they showed him standing at this freaking tree, dude, for over an hour as they waited for this deer to die because they couldn't do anything because of the law. Now, they caught a lot of heat for it because there's a lot of guys that said, whatever laws law like you deal with it later like it's an animal suffering like you should you should kill it but they didn't because they were following the law i don't know i'm not saying what what's right what's wrong but the reality is is they showed what could potentially happen to to you if you're out there hunting and the decision they made may not be the one you're going to make but they showed it and they showed the emotion that went into that that time where they stood there and, and they had to su- they suffered like with that deer that was dying. And it's not like they wanted to, it's just that they had, in their opinion, they were doing the right thing. They had no choice. It's a tough and I just call. thought that was one of the, it was one of the coolest things they ever, they ever did or I've ever seen in a hunting, you know, film. So I don't know. It, and again, it's, I'm not here to debate whether it was right or wrong. It's just, that's what they did. And they filmed the whole thing and they caught a lot of heat for it. Yeah, no, I did not see that, but I, I love that though. And yeah, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Um, I mean, I found myself in a situation filming for a show one time where uh, this kid, uh, he was technically legally blind, but he could kind of see and they had this like contraption for him to be able to shoot a crossbow. And he shot this this buck in Florida with a crossbow and it fell on the ground and was suffering and I cut the camera immediately. Uh, and then he only brought two crossbow bolts for some reason, and the second arrow missed uh, and was gone because he missed the second time. So I ended up having to go down and choke the deer out because the guy didn't know what to do. He didn't bring a knife. He didn't have a gun. So I had to go choke this deer out, and it was horrible, and I hated every minute of it. And I was, like, sitting there holding this deer, and it was just sucked. I hated the whole thing, but I did what I had to do, and it just is what it is, and sometimes it's a reality. Um, but anyway, guys, it looks like we lost Corey, but, um, if he doesn't hop back in, I'll wrap up the podcast. So yeah, that was a tough, that was a tough thing to go through, but, um, sometimes it's just the reality of it. And, and, uh, it's just all about how you respect the animal, but guys, thanks for joining in. We lost Corey. So I'm going to wrap the podcast up. The whole point of today's podcast was just essentially to talk about, talk about YouTube and and hunting in general and kind of what's led to people um, getting banned or demonetized, like what's created this trend and 
what we can do to fix it. And what we can do to fix it is can be more ethical and we can be smarter about what we put online. And remember, it's not about you. Um, it's, it's about hunting and it's about the animal and you got to be respectful to the animal and you got to be respectful to hunting in general, because if we're going to keep this around for not just us, but for our kids and for our grandkids and their grandkids, then we have to start preserving it now. And, and that means we have to put it in a good light and we can't be putting you can't be putting pictures of you out there with a bloody sex toy with your deer. Like we talked that story we talked about earlier. If you're joining in now, you're probably wondering what I'm talking about. Go back and listen. You'll hear, well, we can't be putting crap like that online. We can't be putting online, uh, slow motion shots of cutting off a bear's head. We can't be doing that kind of stuff. We got to think about what's going out there because it's bigger than you. Don't be so arrogant that you think it's all about how many likes you can get and how much money you can make. You've got to think about, You've got to think about what the bigger picture is. And at the end of the day, we're all fighting for the same thing, a sport that we love. Thanks, guys, for joining in today. If you want more information um, about what we talked about, put comments in here or go to the Filming with Josh Facebook group and post your comments there uh, in the group page. Um, Let's just start a conversation. Let's share this podcast. The whole point of this is to start a tough conversation about what is an unpopular opinion on YouTube hunting channels and really about hunting in general. If you are new to the Filming with Josh podcast, thanks for joining in. I want to encourage you to go to Facebook and type in Filming with Josh and ask to join the group today. And if I see your uh, request, I'll be sure to uh, accept it. We are a group of individuals who basically want to teach you all things about video and photography and the business that goes with it. So if you want to learn more about filming with Josh, go to Facebook, type in filming with Josh and ask to join the group. Thanks guys for listening to today's podcast. And for those of you who listened live, I appreciated the conversation and I'll see you guys next week. Take care. To learn more about Rustic River Media, visit us online at rusticriver.media. Thanks for listening to the Filming with Josh podcast. Catch every episode by hitting subscribe today.